Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast here on Skywatcher USA's YouTube channel. Uh, this week, we're going to be checking out a new topic, and this is astrophotography with a sky tracker. And this was something we were obviously going to do a couple weeks ago uh, due to some technical difficulties. Um, and now we're, we're going to get started with it. So I'm really excited about this week. And if you missed out on the night sky photography basics, which is episode two, um, you can go check that out because this this episode actually links up with that episode. So if you want to learn about basic photography setups for nightscape work and astronomy using your mirrorless and DSLR camera, you can go check out episode two. Uh, and then you can obviously link over here to episode uh, four uh, with the sky trackers. So we're gonna get started today. Um, if you have any questions, you can uh, ask them there in the chat. I'm gonna stop and do Q and A's throughout the, the live feed today. Um, so you can put your questions down there and I will get to them during those breaks. And we will uh, answer those questions at that time. So to get things going, why do we need a tracker at all? Um, that's a big thing with um, nightscape photography and astronomy is that obviously things are rising in the east and setting in the west. And when you're using uh, taking pictures of the night sky, you're basically taking pictures of a moving target. And we have to remember that after a while, during these long exposures with our camera, things are gonna streak, especially if we start using longer focal length optics. So a tracking mount, or something that will actually counteract the rotation of the Earth, is um, something that's relatively important. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, the uh, nightscape trackers are very, very popular across many, many different companies. And that's something that you can pick up from a variety of different places. And but just to show you the advantages of these trackers, um, you can actually see here on the screen, on the left-hand side, we've got the uh, no tracking at 70 millimeters. And on the right-hand side, you can definitely see the tracking um, there. So you want those pinpoint stars and those long exposures um, to come out so you can get that really nice detail that we generally get. So we also talked about previously the 500 rule and this isn't really so much something that you've got to um, really base any, any serious uh, stuff off of. It's just a good rule of thumb to give you an idea on how far you can get away um, with your exposure time. And that's something that we can uh, calculate using the 500 rule. It basically shows us how long we can go without uh, streaking. And it gives us kind of a base to go off of at that point. It's, it's not something that you have to, you know, base everything on. 
uh, but just something that will help you get an idea of how far you can go with your stuff um, before things start to streak. So that's what's known as the 500 rule. And with that, like I said, it's how long you can, how long you can expose before your uh, stars start to trail. Now, if we do the math, this is kind of what it comes out to. Um, for 14 millimeter, you can get away with about 36 seconds, 24 millimeters, 20 seconds, 50 is 10 seconds, and so on and so forth. But how we do this, if you're not familiar with the 500 rule, is you take the focal length of your lens and divide that by 500. And the answer that you get out of there is the exposure time uh, that you will get before the stars start to streak in your image. And it's actually a little bit less, but this is just an eyeball um, to go off of at this time to give you an idea. And as you can see, as you increase the focal length to get those higher resolution images, you you really start to need a tracker because your exposure time dwindles really, really quickly. So you want to start taking amazing pictures like uh, the Andromeda Galaxy, those beautiful nebulas in the summertime, or all kinds of stuff. Uh, this is something that you, you're going to want to look into. A, a tracker is, after you've gotten into nightscape photography and you've played around with the Milky Way, you generally want to start adding more to it and shooting with longer focal lengths and that's where the tracker is really going to come uh, there yeah philip you're you're right it's 500 divided by the focal length of the lens so let's jump into the tracking mounts and go into more detail about all this so a tracking mount has its benefits and this is something uh, the first one, of course, is longer exposures. With a tracker, you're actually able to sit on a target further as it moves across the sky. The tracker will allow you to counteract the rotation of the Earth and follow that object. That allows you to use a longer exposure and get more dig into the nighttime sky. Using longer exposures will also help you lower your ISO, so it's not gonna have as noisy of an image in there, so it'll be cleaner. You can use smaller apertures, so I know a lot of the lenses we like to use are f1.4, or f2, or f2.8, um, and we pay a lot of money for that big bright aperture on the lens, but the problem with that is a lot of the lenses nowadays are not really designed to handle a star field. Uh, astronomy is really, really hard on optics, and you're not getting pinpoint stars out to the edge of the field of view. And a lot of telescopes are designed with that in mind, so we do get those pinpoint stars. Lenses, on the other hand, not so much. So when they're wide open, so most wide open lenses, when they're at their maximum aperture, are not pinpoint sharp to the edge of their fields. Uh, so what we have to do is we have to stop that down. So in f2.8, you'd probably stop to f4, and f1.4 you'd probably stop to f2 and you'd have to experiment every lens is going to be different but with that you're able to stop down the aperture so you're letting less light in but you're sharpening up the images and because you're letting less light in 
you have to increase the exposure time to get all that light. So a tracker is going to give you that ability. So longer exposures, so you get more dig into the sky, and a smaller aperture to give you sharper images across the field. And of course, you can always start using longer focal lengths as well. Uh, when you're doing nightscape photography, that's generally done somewhere between like 14 millimeter and 35 millimeter. Um, you could push a little bit past that, but you just get limited. Uh, but with a tracker, you can start using 50 millimeter, 85, 135, 200, um, and so on and so forth. And you're actually able to frame up your celestial object more, get really unique perspectives on the target that you're going for and you actually are going to need a tracker at that point because you're so zoomed in you're so magnified on it that it will streak and your exposure time because uh, your exposure time has to be so short in order for it not to streak so the tracker is going to give you that ability to use that further now here at Skywatcher, we of course make one of our own trackers. Let me get myself out of the way here so you guys can see. Uh, we of course make our own tracker and this of course is the Star Adventure. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today and kind of go into details about our star trackers. And uh, we'll go through both models that we offer and I'll give you a little bit of the uh, details on using those as well. So the first thing that we really need to do before diving into getting a star trackers, we need to step away from the photographic side and we need to step back into astronomy and we need to understand the fundamentals of the night sky and how the sky works. So this is uh, something that's really important and that's what we're going to go dive into at the moment. I have a lot of beginners who, beginners. Um, who jump from being very, very experienced photographers, and that's perfect um, that you understand your camera. But when you jump from basic photography to astrophotography, the rules change quite a bit. Um, pretty much the only thing that stays the same is the camera. That's the only relation between the two. And there's some fundamentals that I find a lot of beginners have difficulty with when stepping from photography to astrophotography and we're hoping to make this a little bit easier so you can once you get the fundamentals laid down it's a lot easier for you to to frame your stuff and understand how you need to operate for your evening so earth obviously is moving it's spinning on its axis and this causes objects to rise in the east and set in the west and we see that every day. In the morning, the, earth, the sun rises in the east, and in the evening, it sets in the west. And it happens every day. And that's just how celestial mechanics works. Um, and this is uh, what we're trying to observe and capture. Everything pivots around the North Celestial Pole, just like a spokes, all the spokes in the wheel as they spin around. Um, that's what we're basically watching. The Northern Hemisphere, of course, pivots around the North Celestial Pole, which at the moment is marked by 
uh, Polaris or the North Star. And in the Southern Hemisphere, you have to go off of the constellation Octans um, if you're down in the Southern Hemisphere. Now, let me bring this in real quick. Now, if you guys have never seen this software before, this is called Stellarium. It's actually free. Um, it's a cool little planetarium software that you can use for um, just figuring out what's going to be up in the evening. So let's take a look over here in the north. And we're going to go into the evening here. And we'll be able to see just how everything pivots around the night sky. Let's slow this down a little bit. So you can see everything pivots around Polaris, which is this guy right there. And as you can see, all the stars are rising in the east and all the stars are setting in the west. And that's exactly what we need to do with our star tracker. Now, the sky is also broken up into a coordinate system. This is known as right ascension and declination. Let me get back here real quick so we can get into the evening. There we go. Oh, this is the wrong grid, excuse me. There we go. Right ascension and declination. So just like we have here on Earth, where you have longitude and latitude, the sky is actually broken up into the same kind of function. And this lets us actually locate objects and figure out where things are at. So everything, like we said, rotates around the celestial pole. Now declination, some of this is might be fairly complicated for some, It's and this is okay, you don't really need to know a lot of this, I'm just trying to give you the, the fundamentals of it so you kind of understand the basics of when you're looking up objects, what it's basically asking for. So declination is the north and south directions in the nighttime sky. And right ascension is the east and west. And right ascension is really the uh, fundamental one that we need to worry about, particularly with a sky tracker. Now, like I said, I had the coordinates there and it's broken up much like this. So all these vertical lines, those are the um, declination and all the horizontal lines are right ascension. Now everything obviously rises in the east and sets in the west. And that's all we really have to worry about with a tracker. We just need right ascension and a motor on it. And that lets us follow things in the nighttime sky. So that's kind of the basics of the nighttime, uh, breaking up and understanding the sky. Um, I'm sure that was a lot more to digest, but if you have any questions, you can always email us. Um, but let's get into the tracker itself. So the actual term for these types of mounts that are generally used for tracking are called equatorial mounts. And for short, we'll call them EQ. This mount is designed to compensate the Earth's rotation. The center axis of that mount is going to line up to the celestial pole, be it northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere. 
and it actually has to go off of your latitude so you need to angle the mount to where it lines up with ever wherever the pole is for your location uh, you know i'm here in arizona we're about 33 degrees latitude so we'd have to angle our mount 33 degrees and you'd match that up with every wherever your location is A basic equatorial mount has a small motor built into it. This is our star adventurer. Um, there's a small motor built into the mount there, and it's made to basically rotate with the sky. And we just have to worry about the rotation of Earth on its axis, and that's known as right ascension. Um, you can do work in declination as well. Um, but it's not a real fundamental thing at the moment for what we're doing. Now, one thing I'd like to mention, I get this a lot from uh, people who are relatively new, is they'll get a star adventurer or a sky tracker and they'll turn it on inside and they say it's not moving. All the lights are on, but it's not moving and it's not working and I need a replacement. Well. Keep in mind that when you get a star tracker, the stars that you want to photograph move very slowly. So most of the time when you get some of these tracking mounts, they're not going to move quickly. They're not going to slew across the sky like some of the bigger, more advanced mounts with the onboard computers. These are just designed to follow the stars at the same rate they move across the sky. So if you turn one of these mounts on inside, and you watch it and you're expecting it to move quickly, it's gonna be a lot like grass growing. So keep in mind that most of the time the mount is working just fine, but it's not gonna move very fast. So like I said earlier, when we get our tracker, we need to align it to the North Celestial Pole. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're rather lucky because there's a star that we can reference that position of the sky. Uh, Southern Hemisphere, it's a little bit more difficult, but it's still doable. Uh, and this is by aligning with Polaris. Now, most of these mounts have a small telescope inside of them called a polar scope, and it has a kind of a grid or crosshair section that helps you align correctly onto Polaris, because Polaris is not actually right on celestial north, or polar north. Uh, it's not right where it needs to be. The pole is actually shifted off a little bit. So we have to make sure we're actually on the right position. So if you align onto Polaris, if you're using a wide field lens, you'd probably be okay. But if you're using more narrow, you're not actually right on. We need to offset a little bit. And that's where the polar scope comes in handy because it calculates for that. So we're gonna go into those details. Uh, before we jump into polar alignment, does anybody have any questions that I can answer for them uh, while we're on, uh, before we jump into polar alignment? If not, I'll stop a little bit later and uh, we can uh, jump into that as well. No? Okay, cool. Well, let's keep going. Uh, we get a lot of questions on polar alignment. It's, it's something that if you're new, it can be a little bit hard to wrap the purpose around it but as you get further into it you kind of understand why it's there and it becomes really really easy at that point 
So in order for our mount to track objects accurately, we need to uh, first align the center axis of the mount with Polaris. Now, if you have a star adventure, you've probably seen the little opening in the front there. That's the opening of the polar scope little lens in there. And then the eyepiece is back there. So you would actually look through this and you'd see your uh, reticles and stuff in there to align this. And we have to align the center axis of the mount onto And obviously this is normally done with the polar scope that's built into the mount, at least for our products. Um, the Star Adventure has the polar scope built in and our Star Adventure Mini, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, that has one that's also aligned and comes with the mount. And these are called polar scopes. Now, this is what the Star Adventure polar scope reticle looks like. Uh, this is called a, uh, there's a bunch of names for this one. Um, we call it a polar clock uh, reticle um, because basically Polaris needs to land somewhere on this reticle. And it basically is 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, um, just to give you reference. Um, and we'll talk about this in a minute because we, we get a lot of confusion about the, the reticle and what it actually is, what's actually needed. Um, to get this accurately aligned. But let me break down, for those of you who own a Star Adventure, let me break down what the reticle actually means on this. So this is a polar clock reticle. Up at the top right, which I am actually covering, let me hide here. I'm just gonna disappear um, off of this real quick so we can get the whole thing. Um, up at the top right is the reticle key. Uh, this key is just showing you what each line inside the circular grid represents. Um, it actually has nothing to do with the alignment process or orientation. It's just there as a reference key. So, because um, as Polaris and the pole of Earth actually moves and shifts through the process called precession, um, the position of the North Celestial Pole is going to move. So we have to uh, keep up with that and make sure that these products are actually ready to go and can be aligned accurately for many years to come. So our reticle is currently set to go out to 2032. And these get updated, obviously, as, as the dates come up. So up, upright is the, uh, the key, the reticle key. Now, switching over. Let me see if I can clean this stream up real quick. Sorry guys, I think it's getting a little buggy. Uh, adjust some stuff here and see if we can make our stream a little cleaner. Okay, continuing. The circular grid that you see on the polar scope, that's called the clock face. Um, Polaris is going to land somewhere along this circular grid and it's going to depend on your location and your time and it's going to change throughout the night but we just need to get it aligned the first time so this is the clock grid or clock face i'm sorry now down here you can see uh, at the time that this was taken this was the position of um, if you're using an app um, which i highly recommend 
uh, and we'll talk about that here in a second uh, you're going to open up your app and it's going to show you a little x or a dot or whatever the representation actually is of where polaris needs to be at the time of you're using your uh your mount so this is the polaris position and it's going to end up somewhere on this clock face lastly is the numbers this helps you to orient the the position of the polar scope and we're actually going to talk about that here um, in a second because these actually don't really need to be you don't need to pay any attention to these in fact you know just ignore them and i get a lot of people asking well why are they there if i don't need them well they actually are there for a purpose if you're going to manually orient your polar scope but it doesn't matter because now we of course we have apps on our smartphones and devices that can help us uh, get rid of that it actually does not matter where uh, Polaris actually is I'm sorry it doesn't matter the orientation of your polar scope all that matters is that Polaris is in the correct position on that polar scope so it doesn't matter if three is at the top or six is at the top or nine is at the top or whatever it is uh, the numbers don't actually matter in real life and if you're doing polar alignment and you get a star adventure in the manual it's going to tell you about all these little uh let me make myself bigger so you guys can see this real quick in the manual it's going to tell you about all these dials on the back and these are actually there for a reason it helps you manually orient the polar scope and get it to where you would actually align this um, uh, manually well we don't need to do that anymore because we have apps so um, I'm getting to the Dustin I see you there um, so all that matters at this point is this is what I tell everybody is ignore what the manual says I'm just gonna tell you this from experience of using these in the field first thing you're gonna do with the star adventure so you're gonna loosen the clutch this little black clutch right here you're gonna loosen that you're gonna look through your polar scope and you're going to find the crosshairs and a lot of times they don't match up where it's you know zero and uh, three six and nine all where you want them to be it doesn't matter so what we would do here is you'd loosen the clutch look through the polar scope rotate this until the crosshairs form a plus one line is horizontal one line is vertical that gives you four even quadrants in your polar scope at that point you're going to open up your app now we have a couple of them um, we have our own app that allows us to control our um, star adventurer mini and that's actually called uh, sam console right here sam console it's free for ios and android if we click that it's going to open up real quick and if you have this app um, you can use this app 
to help you get polar aligned, even if you don't have a Star Adventurer Mini. Um, I use it all the time because it has what's called a polar clock utility right here. And we're gonna click polar clock utility. Oh, not my Wi-Fi. Polar clock utility. And it's gonna actually give us our reticle. So what we're gonna do is go back to this real quick so it all makes sense for everybody. Again, loosen the clutch, look through the Star Adventure Polar Scope, rotate this, the front portion, until your crosshairs form a plus, one line horizontal, one line vertical, doesn't matter which number is in the 12 o'clock position, just ignore the numbers. And then you're gonna look at your app and pay attention where Polaris is. Now, right now for my location, it's in the bottom, at least for my position, it's the bottom left quadrant, little dot down there. And you're gonna duplicate that in the polar scope in here, except instead of the dot, you're gonna see Polaris. And once that's all oriented, just duplicate that, you're all set. Now, if I went too fast, I apologize, I can go through it. Um, so the Polar Clock Utility is on our SAM console app, that's free. Um, or you can actually use uh, Polar Scope Align. Um, and there's some other ones. Um, I really like Polar Scope Align. Um, you can actually set our reticle in there, but it works for a bunch of different company reticles. Um, and you can set that to whatever you want. Um, but you can see, same position. It's in that lower, what which would be my left um, quadrant. And I would just go out there and make my adjustments and put that in that position and you're all set. You don't have to mess with the dials. You don't have to pay attention to the numbers. Just look at that, rotate it, and you're all set. Much cleaner um, than going through all that. If you have any questions, always give us a call um, at support and we can walk you through it as well. Um, and then, of course, we've already talked about recommended apps, but and I am in the way, so boop, there we go. Uh, recommended apps, SAM console, which is uh, Android or iOS, and that's free. Um, and then their scope align. Um, I know it's for iOS. I don't know if it's for Android. I think it is now, but you have to check. Um, I have both Polar Scope Align and Polar Scope Align Pro. I don't know the difference. I don't know if it's just an ad thing, um, but they both work fine. The nice thing about this process with this reticle is once you've mastered this process, you can actually do that on any of the Skywatcher mounts because we all they all use exactly the same reticle and exactly the same uh, process. So if you can align a Star Adventure 6R, you can align an HEQ5, EQM35, EQ8R, any of those, you can do exactly the same process. And yes, this does get rid of the whole guessing game. Uh, let's play with the dials on the back of the mount. The dials are great. They are just a process to learn. And, you know, we have the technology, so why not use it? Now, there's a couple different types of trackers um, at this point. And trackers really got started years ago with what's called a barn door tracker. And you can actually make a barn door tracker. It's two pieces of wood. Um, and then it has a little motor, little clock drive motor on there, and that allows everything to basically track 
the sky. So this was a old school way of doing it before a lot of companies started to make these small little trackers. Um, you know, the Vixen Polari, I'll give them credit for sure, really started this. Um, and then people wanted more. They wanted more payload. They wanted more function, all kinds of stuff. Um, so a lot of companies have had to figure out how do we make these really compact and versatile? And this is this is the advancement of that comes the mini, what I like to call mini EQs. And there's several of them on the market now, including the Star Adventurers. Um, of course, we'll be talking about Star Adventure today because it's Skywatcher. Now the Skywatcher Star Adventure is a mini EQ. So it's a little tiny equatorial mount. Uh, we do have a built-in polar scope. Uh, one thing, uh, if you ever get a Star Adventure, if you've gotten a Star Adventure, the manual tells you how to calibrate the polar scope. You don't need to do it. We've already done it. Um, it's aligned at the factory. So you're all set. You don't have to mess with any of those screws. It's in there in case you, in case you need to adjust it. Something comes loose, but that's very, very rare. So... Um, our polar scopes are built in and they're aligned. They're ready to go. We just your skies. Uh, the Skywatcher Star Adventure has an 11 pound payload. Uh, if you have the counterweight kit, you do not include the counterweight, the 2.2 pounds or whatever, and the 11 pounds. That is 11 pounds of optical camera hardware at this point. And it's also powered off of uh, four uh, AA batteries. That will last you 72 hours. Uh, or you can plug it in off of a five volt USB. And the five volt USB, um, you wanna be careful with it because it's not so much that there's a problem with the five volt. What I have a lot is people get these little rechargeable block batteries for their phones or recharging their phones. And those work great problem with those are is batteries have an auto shut off if there's not enough amperage coming out of the mount or whatever it's pulling now it's going to pull a lot more power star adventure doesn't pull anything so what we find is a lot of these little brick uh phone charging batteries work very well because they automatically turn off after several minutes because there's just not enough power. I usually recommend just using double a's Double A's are gonna last 72 hours of constant use. And obviously that will fluctuate, you know, cold and temperatures and stuff like that. But you can get double A's anywhere. You know, you can stop by a gas station and get double A's. So uh, we recommend using double A's. They're just way uh, more convenient for people. And the Star Adventure is a modular design and we're gonna go into the pieces and how you can configure it. So let's get to know the, the Star Adventure really quick and its features. So obviously we have a built-in polar scope that's under the cap um, if you get one of these. It's got a uh, already uh, installed polar scope right back here. This is with the cap off. Uh, we have a speed dial uh, adjustment right on the side there this little rotary dial. This actually lights up in red at night um, when it's got batteries or it's powered. You can see what speed you're on. 
And we have seven speeds, and I think we go over that here in a second. I'll break down uh, the speeds. Yep, here we go. So the Star Adventure has a total of seven tracking speeds because there's a lot of features in the Star Adventure that can be used uh, besides astronomy. Uh, the star mode on the, uh, the dial there, that is your standard star tracking mode. That is sidereal rate. So if you're doing astrophotography, you're probably going to be using the star mode 99% of the time. Uh, we have a sun mode. So if you, if you want to go out and you want to do an eclipse or something like that, you can actually adjust it to track more at the rate of the sun. Same thing for the moon. Um, a lot of times I just set it on the star and that works for me, but um, if you want to be more precise about it, you can set it on the sun or the moon if you want to be specialized for those objects. Probably for eclipsal events. Then we have 0.5x or half sidereal. We get a lot of questions about this. Um, this is a hybrid tracking speed. And if you want to do, if you've got a nice foreground overhead and you want to get all that in one without blurring too much and get like a minute, you know, something longer than your typical 30 seconds, but you want to get more dig out of the sky, um, the half sidereal rate is really good. For, so it's kind of a hybrid tracking rate um, to allow you to, to really get that awesome uh, shot without blurring too much. Because if you're going to do star mode and you're doing a long exposure, the stars are going to be nice and sharp, but everything in the foreground is going to blur because the stars are moving. Uh, the next three speeds, the 2x, the 6x, and the 12x uh, speeds are for time-lapse. And the Star Adventure can actually be used for a panning time-lapse head. Um, and that goes through the manual a little bit more about those features, but that allows you to basically speed it up um, to do different panning rates. So that's why those are there. You're probably not gonna use these too much for standard astronomy use. Uh, I do use 12X sidereal um, to do fine adjustments and I'll go and show you how we do that in a minute. Uh, now back to the star event, the black adjustable clutch. Um, that just has to be finger tight, by the way. You don't have to nudge that down, just finger tight. Double A battery pack is located on top. I'll flip it over real quick. And we have a Vixen or V-style dovetail saddle in the front, so you can mount all different kinds of hardware and accessories on it. And the fine adjustment buttons. Now in the manual, these little arrow buttons are called slew buttons. And it kind of throws people for a loop because they expect that when they press it, it's just going to go woo. And it doesn't. Um, so I don't like calling them slew buttons. I like calling them fine adjustment buttons. And this is just for the right ascension because that's all the Star Adventurer has. So this is where the 12X comes in handy is if you have a long lens, like 200 millimeter, and you wanna make some adjustments on there, especially in right ascension, without loosening the clutch and you know jerking everything around, rotate the speed to 12X, push the arrow button on whatever direction you want it to go, and then allow the mount to gently bring your target into the frame where you want it to be. Once you're in position, rotate the speed back to star, and you're back to tracking. So that's what I recommend doing with the fine adjustment buttons, not slew buttons, 
fine adjustment buttons. And it's still not gonna move very quick, but 12X will help you get it over faster than if you left it on the star mode and held the button down, it would take forever. So moving to 12X is a bit faster. Uh, we also have the uh, motor switch, uh, northern hemisphere for probably most of us here. If you ever get the chance or you do live in the southern hemisphere, flip it to south so the motor tracks the correct way. And then of course we have time-lapse mode. So if you wanna do the time-lapse features, you can flip it into that mode and then the mount will trigger correctly for time-lapse. And all that's documented in the manual. Um, we're just going over the astronomy uses of the Star Adventure today. And then we have the snap port. Um, some people don't know about the snap port. A lot of our products have the snap port. Uh, the snap port allows you to basically use a shutter release cable, and we have a couple of them. And if we don't have for your camera, um, you can go to like B&H and check out the Velo, V-E-L-L-O, shutter release cables, and there's a cable for every camera. Um, so what this does is you can actually plug your camera in there, switch your camera to bulb mode, and the mount will automatically trigger the shutter. And we have preset exposures built into the mount's firmware. So when you put that in there, it's automatically gonna trigger the mount for whatever mode you're in. And every mode is different uh, for the exposures. And that's all listed on the top of the, the, the battery cap. So on top there, it'll actually tell you all the stuff that you wanna know about the exposures. And that's all preset. If you want to have more customization, I recommend using like an intervalometer or an external shutter for your camera. Or if your camera is one of the newer ones and has the ability to do like bulb mode internally, use that because it just gives you more custom rates. But if you want to just have the mount trigger it, just use what's there. Try it out. It's kind of neat. Uh, we also have an auto guider port. If you're going to start pushing the Star Adventure to its limits, like 300 400 millimeter or use a small telescope on it you're gonna be really asking a lot from such a small mount and this happens a lot with people these are really tiny mounts and they're they work great but they're just small it's just the physics of it and with a small mount you can only throw so much stuff on it before it gets you know wiggly and jiggly and expect the mount to track super accurate it's intended for you know 300 millimeter, 200 millimeter and below. But if you really want to push its limits and you really want to get the best tracking out of it using an auto guider, which is basically, um, I don't have one in front of me actually, um, is a small external camera that locks onto a star and sends commands through software and then back into the mount to make corrections and in tracking inconsistencies. And this is for any mount, by the way. And that allows the mount to track more precisely for celestial objects. I don't have a lot of people using the auto guider port um, just because you really are asking a lot from the mount by the time you get to those focal lengths, but the option is there if you need it. And then of course we have the five volt USB on the bottom. Uh, I don't use this too much. You can do your firmware updates through it. You can plug it into the computer through the USB or you can power it through the USB. Um, if I'm home in the backyard and I don't want to use double A's, I'll get a, like a little iPhone USB uh, plug and plug that in and then plug my uh, USB in there and run it to 
the mount. Just make sure you have the right USB cable, and then you can run it off of that forever. Or if you're out in the field and you've got a laptop controlling everything, you could just plug it into the laptop and run it off the laptop battery. So that's another option there. Now, we get a lot of questions about the versions because we do sell the Star Adventure in a couple different formats. Uh, the first one is the photo pack. Uh, the photo pack includes just the ball head adapter. So it's the tracker. So you get the tracker for the Star Adventure and the ball head adapter. That is the photo pack. Make this a little bit bigger so you guys can see. Bear with me just a sec. So again, the photo pack is the Star Adventure tracker and the ball head adapter. And that's a 3-8 thread stud right there for your ball head. That's all it comes with. Now let's switch out real quick. The next configuration is the Astro Pack. Now that's the same thing. It's the tracker. But in this point, it comes with the deck bracket, and we'll get into the advantages of this in a minute. Um, but it, this is your kit. It'd be the tracker and the deck bracket. That's what makes the Astro Pack. Does not include the ball head adapter. Now, uh, was a little over a year ago, we, we finally made the pro pack and the pro pack comes with everything and this is really what if you want a star adventure and you you've never had a star adventure and you want to get one just get the pro pack because it's going to come with all the accessories in one nice convenient box you're all set um, you don't have to buy it all a cart anymore um, so photo pack comes with the ball head adapter astro pack comes with a deck bracket pro pack comes with everything and we're gonna go into configurations and accessories here in a second. We might run a little long today, um, but we'll, we'll cover it all. Uh, the next one's the Star Adventurer Mini, and I don't have a mini here today um, to show, so we'll just uh, go off of the screen here. Uh, the Star Adventurer Mini is just a smaller version. Um, it's another mini EQ. It does include the, include the polar scope and it's a line, but it pops out. Uh, so you just pop it in and we have three spring-loaded ball bearings that allow the polar scope to seat in the same position every time. There's just not enough room to keep the, the, the polar scope inside the Mini. It's not, there's not a lot of room in there. Um, the Mini is also 6.6 .6 pound payload capacity. That's for equipment, not including the counterweight. And it's powered by two AA batteries uh, for 24 hours, or you could use the, the USB that's on the side of the mount. Similar. It's also a modular design. You can use all the accessories for Star Adventure are cross-compatible between the main Star Adventure and the Mini. All the cross-compatible. Unique things of the Star Adventure Mini, though, is the built-in Wi-Fi. Um, that doesn't mean that you can control the mount and point it where you want. That means you can set up your whole shutter sequence and time lapse and all of that inside the app and send that over to the uh, mount and it will trigger your uh, everything automatically. It's more of a built-in intervalometer setup. So it, it does have that advantage over the larger one at the moment. Maybe someday we'll do that in the bigger one. 
This allows for more customization and shutter release capabilities. So you don't need an intervalometer anymore. You can do it all from your phone on the SAM console app and then uh, send the command over and do a whole sequence through the app. You don't need an external shutter anymore. Uh, just to go over the same features of the Mini, uh, the Mini has a rear 3.8 thread plate and polar cover. The Mini and stick it on its side so it's pointing up and use it as a panning time-lapse head. I've done that, it works really well. We have the snap port again, so you can trigger all your cameras through the snap port. Just the advantage of here is you can control all the custom settings with the app at that point. So you can do all kinds of exposures and intervals. Uh, we have the five volt USB again. Uh, the USBs are, so the mini I think is a, I always mix these up. So either a micro and then the other one's a mini. Um, I always mix up which one's which, but just pay attention if you're going to be using the a USB, uh, just get the right USB. And then we also have the V-style saddle plate again on there. Flipping it over, we have the RA clutch, which is a black knob on the side right there. And then we have the two AA battery pack on the, the other side. Uh, Star Adventure accessories. So first we have the EQ wedge. Uh, this is a must. If you want to polar align this, this is the wedge. Uh, this comes with the Pro Pack or you can buy it for $65 on its own if you want it. Uh, there's a 3.8 threaded hole so it would mount to your favorite camera tripod or our Star Adventure tripod. It's got the dovetail, it comes with a dovetail so that way your mount can easily lock in to that and you're ready to go and when you're done you can just loosen it up and pop them off uh, the nice thing about this um, I've tried to polar align a star adventure on a ball head um, you can do it on a gear head but a ball heads a major pain um, the EQ wedge gives you real fine adjustments lock down there you go real fine adjustments so you can raise and lower your latitude for polar alignment and then it has the left and right azimuth adjustments on the bottom so you can get real precise polar alignment um, for that so um, if you don't have one of these for your star adventure it would make your life a lot easier to have the wedge uh, next is the deck bracket The deck bracket allows you to now incorporate the declination axis that we talked about earlier. Um, it just gives you another range of motion and it also allows you to use the counterweight kit. Um, you cannot mount the counterweight without the deck bracket. It's got a mounting hole right there and they thread together. And it has a captured quarter 20 for like large lenses or telescopes and a slow motion adjustment knob for declination uh, adjustments. And it also, it does have a Vixen rail on the back so you can slide that into the saddle and lock it in. Uh, next, of course, we have the counterweight kit, which is just a counterweight bar and a, a counterweight. Here's the bar, there's the weight, uh, and then you can help balance uh, your counterweight on there. So this is a really good option if you're going to be using those big lenses you want to use a 7200 a 100 to 400 i have some people doing 150 600s 
or a telescope, you need the counterweight kit or your tracking is going to suffer because the mount's going to be pulling and pushing to get that weight up. But if you can counterbalance it, it makes the motor work a lot smoother. Um, so this is really good to have if you do intend on using those big heavy lenses and you want to get the best tracking out of it. Also comes with the Pro Kit for the standard Star Adventure. Lastly is the ball head adapter. Um, the ball head adapters, oh, here we go. Um, just a little V style dovetail and that's got a 3-8 thread so you can mount your favorite ball head. We don't sell a ball head. There's a lot of really good ones on Amazon for like 30 bucks. Or if you've, if you've been a photographer for a while, I'm sure you have a ball head floating around. Um, that's a 3-8 thread, you just thread it there and then you can mount it right to your Star Adventure and you're all set. Now, I uh, get this question a lot. I just want to go over the configurations and then we can do a Q&A to wrap all this up. So here's the different configurations you can do for Star Adventure and how to set that up correctly. First is wide field setup. And this is basically using the wedge, Star Adventure. Um, and then in there we have the uh, ball head adapter. So this is mounted and then the ball head attaches to that. And then all that mounts to the front saddle of the Star Adventure, right there, slides in, and then you can just tighten that down, put your favorite ball head there, slide that on the saddle, and then you can point your camera all over the place using the ball head. Real clean and easy. Oh, by the way, um, if you're doing wide field setup, I'd probably recommend this from about the widest lenses till probably an, a lighter weight 85 prime lens. Um, then you probably want to start looking at going to the counterweight. Next is the longer focal length configuration. Um, same setup, so you got the wedge, the Star Adventure, but this time you'd use the deck bracket and the counterweight, and then you can either mount your camera directly to that captured quarter 20 in there, or if you have a telescope or a long lens like you see here, um, with that mounting foot, it'll thread real nice to that top uh, plate right there. And makes it real easy for you to, and then you have that slow motion control. This works really well um, with all of that. This is also good, this is how you do a telescope, which you can actually see here. So this is our EvoStar 72. Um, it actually rides really nicely on there as a grab-and-go setup, so um, it does work quite well um, for travel setup if you're looking for something. I've taken one of these to Hawaii before. Um, you can chuck everything in a carry-on, and you're, you're all set, just a little tracker. Um, and then lastly, you can actually do dual mode. Um, if you have a deck bracket, if you look close, you actually have you know our slow-motion setup up here. There's a 3-8 stud at the other end. There's actually another 3-8 stud underneath. You can remove the slow motion adjustment for deck. You can put two ball heads on there if you really wanted to. Or you could do like the picture there. You put one camera here and you could actually counterbalance it with a secondary camera if you want to get kind of crazy. We had a lot of people do that for the Eclipse in 2017. 
And of course, you can also do uh, time lapse with the Star Adventure. Um, let's see if I can find my video here real quick. I will uh, try and see if we can show you that real quick. It's kind of neat. Um, both Star Adventures can do uh, time lapses. Uh, the Mini, I think, does it a little bit better because you have a lot of those features. Um, uh, customization, uh, can't talk today. You have the app that allows you to customize that whole sequence. You can set it all up to basically do a, a panning time lapse. Um, and it works really well when it's all set up. And just to give you guys an example, here we go. Let me uh, shrink this over. So this is all shot with a uh, Star Adventurer. Um, let me go full screen here and we'll play it over again. So this was all set up in the app. You just set how long you want the exposure, how long you want the delay interval, and how far you want that to span. And it will tell you how long that's gonna take. And uh, let me fade myself out here real quick. Um, and just do this. So this was at one of the outreach events I go to, and this was all shot. I put the Star Adventure Mini um, standing straight up on a photo tripod, put it on top of my truck, and I just let it go. And this is, it worked quite well. Then you just go home and you stitch all of that into a time lapse in Photoshop and what have you. So it can just add a real dynamic uh, arrangement for your your time lapses and this can be done with both the star adventure and the mini but the mini just has more control with the app that's why i usually use the star adventure the original for a lot of my nightscape work and i use the mini for a lot of uh, event time lapse so it's kind of cool there so that's the star adventure time lapse that's pretty much it for today um we kind of buzz through a lot of that. I know it was a lot of information. Um, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And then just a reminder, uh, I know we've had people asking about the digital star parties. Um, that's actually happening tonight at 8 p.m. You can go to the Focus Astronomy YouTube channel. 8 p.m. Pacific, we'll be doing another episode of Starstream um, and checking out some of the, the final objects of the winter sky and then we'll be going into galaxies and checking up on comet atlas um, and we'll be doing a live stream off of our skywatcher esprit 150 triplet and broadcasting that live online so that's something that you can join us with tonight um, so yeah without further ado if you guys have any questions i'll be happy to answer them right now um, but that pretty much wraps up today's uh, webcast for our What's Up webcast. It was kind of a quiet day, but we covered a lot of territory. Um, if there's something I missed that you want me to answer or I didn't cover, uh, you can always email us at support at skywatcherusa.com or give us a call at 310-803-5966. And we'll be able to answer your calls answers over the phone um, but without that's pretty much uh, everything I've got for you guys today if you have any questions uh, go ahead and jot them down in the chat and if there's nothing more we've pretty much wrapped up our 
our stuff for today. Uh, so thanks all for tuning in. Um, stay tuned for next week. Uh, we haven't got the topic figured out quite yet, um, but we'll be uh, posting that um, early next week. And we're hoping to actually start doing some interview segments as well. Um, let me just transition myself here so you guys can see me. Oop. Um, so just to wrap everything up, uh, this was all about astrophotography with a tracker. Um, if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, shoot us an email to support at skywatcherusa.com titled, What's Up? And we uh, question, any way to use the USB port to add some of the functionality of the SAM to the full-size Star Adventurer? Philip, there is an advanced um, interface that does allow you to program stuff into the larger Star Adventure. It's not clean cut, and it's still kind of a beta thing. So if you want, you can email us. Um, but it's nowhere near as convenient uh, as the SAM is. And you have to pre-program on a computer and then take it out um, to your... So it's not something you can really do on the fly. Um, hopefully in the future, maybe we'll add some of the, the features from SAM to the larger one. And then you can get all that those cool features and make it way easier to do in the field. But at the moment... Um, that's kind of where we're at at this time. But just keep an eye out. We're always working on stuff. So, you know, hopefully something in the future. Like the 100 second and 50 second built-in shutter release. But would it be nice to adjust them without? Yes, I do agree, Philip. It would be nice to adjust them to a little bit more customizable on the fly. So I'm hoping we'll have something to show in the future um, to make the original larger Star Adventure have those customized features. Uh, but for now, um, this is what we currently have. But uh, always, you know, it's a great idea. We'll pass that along and we'll see, you know, what we can do in the future with it. Any other questions, guys, before we shut this down? Again, we really appreciate you uh, joining us on the What's Up webcast. They take place Friday, 8 a, or I'm sorry, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time every Friday right here on the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to keep an eye out for when we're doing another one, you can always subscribe to the channel. You'll get alerts on when we're doing our videos and what the topics are going to be. Um, and subscribe to our social media accounts as well. We like to post up there. And uh, I think with all that, uh, that's pretty much it for our episode this week. Thanks all for watching. And we appreciate you hanging in there with us. And we will see you next week. Just keep an eye on for what the topic is going to be. And have a safe and great weekend. Take care of a 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 great weekend. Take care.